This is Bryn, covering the Pac-12. I'm Mark, I'm covering the Big Ten. And together we make the In and Given Saturday CFB podcast, giving you live up-to-date information, week recaps, and week previews for the weeks to come. And welcome back. So we're back after a little hiatus, not much, but tonight we're going to be referring to this as the college football podcast in honor of the team formerly known as the Redskins. So welcome in. Uh, today <laughs> I didn't know gonna, if you saw that yet. No, I definitely did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, welcome in. That's the Any Given Saturday CFB podcast. Uh, reach out to us at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Any Given Saturday CFB. And shoot us an email at Any Given Saturday CFB at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, man. Just kind of a little distracted tonight as baseball's back. So we all know how excited I am about that. Diamondbacks yeah, are losing. Uh, yeah, yeah, my D backs are losing night. too. So, but yeah, tonight we're gonna go a little bit different instead of diving into rumors or news or any other kind of weird stuff that could take us on a twenty minute tangent. We're gonna jump into our list. Uh, yesterday when, or last week when we got off the podcast, we talked about top five games that we wanted to dive into of nebraska and usc so if you're here for northwestern news i'm sorry this is not the place for you so uh, yeah so we're gonna go into the top five usc games kind of discuss those and then we'll jump into the top five nebraska games of all time and we'll discuss those and then uh got some news that we kind of want to put out that i've seen across college football in general not just pac-12 or Big Ten specific, but just overall big news. And uh, hey, if you're a product of kind of liking our Facebook page and you're just checking us out for the first time, we're glad you're here. Drop us a line. And if you're another podcast, let us know. We'll have you on. Why not? So, yeah, we welcome anyone and everyone. Yep. Anyone and anyone, foot fetish pages, whatever you want. We got you on the podcast whenever you want. <laughs> uh, so. We might to, to draw a line with some of the fetishes, but. Well, you don't you don't like foot kinks, man. I you know we're not gonna go into this. <laughs> <laughs> I got you speechless. Yes, first time in twelve episodes I had you speechless. I'm gonna take that as a dub. I'm rolling with it, man. <laughs> that is incredible. All right, all right man. To, so let, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go so into I, you want to you want to go back and forth, or you want to do all of them, then go to to yours. Yeah, let's go back and forth. I think that uh, that sounds like fun, almost like looking at a barefoot on Instagram. So go ahead. Hey, you know what? Whatever floats your boat. Um, so I, I number five for me is a uh, kind of a personal uh, choice. I mean, all these are, are personal picks regardless. But this one is just very personal because this is one of my favorite memories of all time uh, of Reggie Bush. Uh, mm-hmm. there, and there's plenty out there, and this game doesn't get talked about that much. But um, I got USC versus Oregon State back in 2004, uh, known as the Fog Bowl for uh, people that have been following USC that long, or uh, Oregon State. I mean, we're getting both of them with one right here. Um, but I, the reason why I chose this, and it's why one of, one of my favorite memories of Reggie Bush, is because uh, I remember having tickets with my uncle. So in 04, I would have been 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, having tickets, and we were in uh, the end zone. I can't remember which side of the end zone, but we were pretty much in uh, the end zone. And the fog had, had rolled in, and uh, we couldn't see, like, anything pretty much, like more than, like, maybe, like, five yards out of the end zone. And Oregon State punched the ball, and we're just kind of sitting there, you know, like, all right, let's go. And then out of nowhere, out of the fog, you just see number five running full speed ahead for a uh, a pump return touchdown. And it just, like I said, that's just like one of the most like memorable moments I've had at a USC game or any USC game I've watched is just sitting there not being able to see most of the most of the plays, most of the game and stuff like that. And then out of nowhere, you just see Reggie Bush breaking one loose and, and scoring a touchdown. And I just remember all, all because we were, we were next to a lot of USC fans and they just yep. started, we just all started going crazy and stuff like that. And it was just, just awesome. The man, the myth, the legend, Reggie yes. himself. Yeah. You were talking about how like, this is a big game for you and like Reggie Bush. And uh, I think that was even like in your little notes about the fog bowl and how it was a big game for Reggie Bush. And I was looking up the stats the other day and I was like, why? 
because he wasn't even the leading rusher on USC, but I didn't look at the return stats. And, yeah, I mean, that that's probably, like, a really good memory. And uh, 2004, you were, what, six years old? No, I was 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah, sorry. Sorry for the correction. Yeah, you were young as shit. But that was probably, like, you could probably <laughs> attribute that to being, like, kind of the start of your USC fandom. And, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, because I – I remember that. I remember going up there because every year we'd go to at least one or two games. Yeah, especially during this this time right here with Pete Carroll. And, was that um, up in Oregon? Yeah, I was in Corvallis, gotcha. uh, it, it, which was a few hours away from us. And I remember we took our my uncle's uh, RV up there, and we we stayed the night um, in some random parking lot the night before, and then we went into the game that the day of. And yeah, like I said, you couldn't see anything. It was just like a, a a fog that was so dense, and uh, in the fourth quarter is when he got it to give them a, a twenty to thirteen uh, lead, and then um, USC ends up coming up top on top that year. Obviously, they're undefeated in two thousand four, uh, twenty eight to twenty uh, against a pretty middle of the line Oregon State team. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, Derek Anderson. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, yes, I do. Old Panthers QB was I uh, was the QB for Oregon State. So, yep, yeah, that's that's my number five. Like I said, it's just my number five just because of that that thing alone, and just the atmosphere that was around USC during this time was just amazing. Um, it, it was just yeah, it was a fun time. <laughs> and it was right. like just it's just memorable watching uh reggie bush and matt liner and all of them go at it and like i'm sure you have memories of uh scott frost and all that no nah, i mean I, to be honest with you man i was you know i've always been a diehard husker fan but i was always a reggie bush and matt liner fan and that's why i was so stoked when matt liner got drafted by the cardinals uh you know i thought he was going to be the next great thing and you know i mean you just had to watch out in the nfl he's a product of the usc system but uh no nah, i mean i was i was i was a usc fan you know i never had anything against usc back in those days i just do now because it gets under your skin so um all right so my number five game is in 2013 nebraska versus northwestern it's also known as the hail mary game um this was in 2013 it was um Towards the end of, uh, it was right in the middle of the Bo Pelini tenure. We were six and we were five and two going into the game. And if you follow Big Ten football, you know Nebraska and Northwestern always go back and forth. The games always come down to a field goal or whatever. And uh, Northwestern kicked a field goal with a minute twenty to go and went up twenty four twenty one in Memorial Stadium. And uh, Nebraska definitely thought that was the end of it. You know, this loss would have definitely put a damper on our season. And then uh, Tommy Armstrong actually had a pretty damn good game that day. Um, If you take out the three interceptions he had, he had a pretty damn good day. Amir Abdullah ran all over that defense. And then they actually pulled Tommy Armstrong. I forgot about him. Yeah, yeah, fear Amir, dude. And then they pulled out – Tommy Armstrong and put in Ron Kellogg the third, who uh, career backup, and threw threw the ball sixty two yards in the air. It got tipped up, and Jordan Westerkamp caught it for a forty nine yard touchdown in the end zone. All zeros on the clock to win twenty seven twenty four. I'll tell you what I remember watching that game in uh, in twenty thirteen, and. I was actually home on PCS leave. I was headed to Hawaii, and I remember me and my parents. We were watching the game in their little, in their house, and I just remember screaming at the top of my lungs. That house was loud as shit because we had won the game. So it was a good it, it was a good game for me, and like in my eyes, because obviously Nebraska won. Um, I don't think I'll have any Nebraska losses on this list, but it was also just like a good family memory to uh to celebrate that win with my family and see see a win like that like you know winning on a hail mary is always fun but that one was yeah, extra it's, special it's something something to, to to enjoy i remember uh 
man, it must have been 16 or 17 when USC played Arizona State when they still had uh, Todd Graham as the coach. And uh, oh, it must have been it must have been 17. And uh, oh, it must have been 16. I think they had Kessler um, was the QB. But anyways. I remember it was like literally like the final seconds of the game and like USC had it locked up and next thing you know there was a freaking Hail Mary thrown for a touchdown to beat USC and I was like oh my god and I was just they're always so amazing to watch but so shitty to be on the other end of yeah so, I mean Nebraska's I mean we felt your it. mic's muted oh there we go yeah I mean we felt it as well as Husker fans um, that was Jalen Strong who who caught that pass, by the way. Uh, and it was in 2014. That was bugging me because I remember watching that game as well. But um, Was it 14? Yeah, it was 2014. Uh, I'm trying to find out who Damn. the quarterback was. But a couple years later, we were playing BYU, and uh, BYU beat us in Memorial Stadium on a Hail Mary. So, I mean, I've been on both sides. It was Mike Berkovici. That's who it was. It's uh, actually one of my favorite college quarterbacks. Um, but I've been on both sides of a Hail Mary win. I've been on the Hail Mary loss side in the NFL as well. You know, being the Cardinal, being a Cardinals fan, and Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, back against dumbass. the Steelers. Was it well, the Steelers? Or was it? No, the Steelers won on like a. It was like a twenty-yard pass in the Super Bowl. But oh, okay, there's Aaron Rodgers, just dumbass. Stupid. Who it was like a fifty-some-yard hail mary to tie it up. We ended up winning in overtime, but it was definitely a shitty feeling at the time because we had the game locked up in the play. Anyway, not an NFL podcast, <laughs> but uh, you know we've we've been on both sides, so it, it's it's fun when you're on the winning side, and it's the most demoralizing feeling. And it's like one of those feelings when you look at the TV and you can't look away. After a win of a Hail Mary. Yeah, like, like you, you it's can't like a car look crash. away. You just, yeah. you just have to watch it. And then you're seeing the other team celebrate, and then you're just standing there, just jaw on the ground, like, did that really just happen? And then you can't watch SportsCenter for the next three fucking days because that's all they yeah. fucking play on it. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's my number five game. Um, like I said, a lot of that has uh, sentimental value, like your number five game of uh, just a good memory with the family. It was a good football game. Not, there was nothing riding on the game like these next four games that I picked, but uh, definitely yeah, uh, I, I, a good time. I picked all uh, all wins for USC. I didn't know we're gonna, we could have the option to pick losses. Otherwise, I would have had uh, Texas and uh, USC. Dude, I would say Rose Bowl, but yeah, I would put that as like your worst loss because that had to be demoralizing, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, oh. So, uh, so my my list is kind of all over the place. I think number four could arguably be um, number two, number one. But uh, I got USC versus uh, Alabama in nineteen seventy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a major game because uh, it's it's pretty much speculated and rumored that Bear Bryant scheduled this game against John McKay um, because at the time Alabama was an all white team and wasn't desegregated. And uh, Sam Bam Cunningham, uh, the running back for USC at the time, uh, ended up with 135 yards and uh, on just 12 carries and uh, scored two touchdowns to allow USC to get the victory over Alabama, 42 to 21. Um, and pretty much after this, uh, everyone went to Bear Bryant and was like, "You know what happened out there? Why? Why is uh, why is everyone getting? Why are you guys getting?" slapped across the field pretty much and his answer is pretty much well they have uh they have more athletes than we do because they're they're desegregated and they have the uh ability to recruit who they want and so what are you looking at dude i told you i'm watching baseball continue uh and so pretty much this is the game that desegregated uh, Bear Bryant's Alabama and allowed him to actually go out there and recruit uh, black people and, and, and Mexicans and all and, you know, just anyone of any uh, ethnicity instead of just being an all white school. So this game broke open uh, a huge barrier for uh, Alabama as, as loud Alabama to be the school it is now pretty much, especially with such a arguably one of the top three coaches of all time to ever coach college football, Bear Bryant. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I picked this 
on my list. Um, obviously, I wasn't alive for it, so I didn't get to watch it. But uh, it was just a, a major milestone that uh, USC was able to help Alabama to achieve. And uh, arguably, you know, Alabama's come back and pretty much whooped USC last time they played them, and they were supposed to play this year, but uh, COVID pretty much ruined that. But yeah, it's kind of a, a cool milestone. You can look it up and and read about it and uh, hear what Sam Bam Cunningham has to kind of say about it and how he felt about it and everything like that. No, I mean any game that you know, I, I was I was kind of reading up on it. And what a lot of people have have kind of attributed it to and likened it to is like Jackie Robinson breaking down the color barrier in baseball and. Um, you know, with Alabama being such a powerhouse in today's society of college football, but uh, it was definitely, definitely a big game that you know it took Alabama to realize that you know good football players don't just have white skin. So yeah, being able to recruit all ethnicities and turn Alabama from a segregated school into a university that welcomes you know, all nationalities, all skin colors. It definitely is a good thing in in the country and it's definitely something that in today's society, what's going on everything in the world is definitely a good thing to keep talking about. So because uh, I'm sure that there was controversy surrounding that football game, uh, especially on the Alabama side, you know, being from the South and all that and uh going to play a school with, with African American players and Mexican players and um, Asian players and whatever ethnicity it probably had its controversy around it, but football definitely prevailed over the top and showed that yeah we can all play football together. We all wear the same pads, we all wear the same helmet. So, what do you got for your uh, your number four? So my number four is uh, when we went to Columbia, Missouri as the number one football team in 1997, and those fuckers took us to overtime. But this one again, good football game. You ask any Nebraska analyst or any Nebraska commentator, this game is going to be on their top five. But for me, it definitely has some sentimental value because the guy that caught the pass in overtime, Matt Davison, I actually grew up in the same – 1997. Um, I grew up in the same small town as him. Uh, I remember going around my high school, and I I saw him everywhere. I moved there the year before he went to Nebraska, and I remember his senior year in high school. I remember seeing him everywhere. Um, and we were down by seven. Scott Frost dropped back, stepped up in the middle, threw it across the middle. Ball got juggled and kicked off. Uh, I can't remember the dude's name. I don't have it up in front of me. I'm watching the Diamondbacks game, but kicked it off his foot, and Matt Davison came underneath, scooped it up, scored a touchdown. We sent it to overtime. It was actually Nebraska's first overtime game, and uh, we ended up winning in overtime and preserving a, a perfect season, but – it was definitely one of those games where uh, it was it was that game and then the number one game Threw on my Threw a pass list. to uh, Shevin Wiggins. Shevin Wiggins, thank you. Um, the, the number one game on my list and this game are the two reasons that I'm such a big Husker fan to this day is just the, uh, the pageantry that surrounded the two games and especially this one because we were undefeated. Um, Scott Frost was under a lot of scrutiny as a quarterback, kind of tying it into today's society. Um, he was under a lot of scrutiny because we were the number one team in the nation and he lost to Arizona State the year before. Lost 19 to nothing at Sun Devil Stadium. Didn't compete for a national championship. So this year is his senior year. He had transferred from Stanford. He was his big boy. So this game and this game only was kind of the game that cemented Scott Frost's like statuesque legacy of the University of Nebraska was this game, and it was all taken back to my boy Matt Davison who caught that pass. So, and to this day, me and Matt Davison we're friends on Facebook. We talk every once in a while. So, um, I'm being dead serious. You like should he, have brought him on for this episode. That dude is a color commentator for the Nebraska Cornhuskers football team. He doesn't have time for our little rink-a-dink podcast, brother. There ain't shit going on with college football right now. He could easily come on and say something about it. I thought about reaching out to him, but I don't know. I might reach out to him here. and You know, you know the yeah. worst thing that's going to happen is they say no. That's that's the worst thing. No, if they the, say no. yes, if we got... If he says no, that means he's reading it. If he leaves me on red, I think that would hurt even more. 
So I'm kind of it, avoiding I mean, maybe, that. yes. But I mean, I'm saying like, uh, it's not going to hurt you to ask. It's only going to hurt you not to ask. Because if he says yes, then bam, we got, we got a special guest. All right. Yeah, says, reach no, out to no, Matt no. Liner, brother. Okay, I'm not friends with them. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. You just said you're friends with them. Yeah, yeah, I am. But yeah, I mean, that game was... Uh, that was definitely so a that's, game. That's what submitted Scott Frost's uh, legacy? I would say so because going into that game, we were undefeated. We hadn't really fought anybody all year. We hadn't played a close game. And then being down by seven in the red zone, I think we were on like the eight-yard line, down by seven with like six seconds to go on the clock. It was like if he doesn't make – pulled up too. If he doesn't make that – if he doesn't make that throw – then he's just another Nebraska quarterback that couldn't win a big game in a big situation. He won the game. You know what I mean? And then later on, he went to yeah. go beat uh, – I actually don't have this game on my list, so a little bit of spoiler alert here. But, you know, went on to the Orange Bowl and uh, beat Peyton Manning and the Tennessee Volunteers in the national championship game. And we split the national championship with Missouri but or with Michigan. Um, <laughs> but definitely that game was kind of like a stepping stone to his legacy at the University of Nebraska for sure. Wasn't the BCS times just a wild times? Was it just, that that was yeah. I think it, that was like the first year of the BCS, wasn't it? it was ninety seven? I don't I don't know. I just remember the BCS had so many problems with it. And my first game is is a BCS problem game. But yeah, it was just yeah, just wild times. I think how that no, system worked. It was crazy. I mean, you had two undefeated teams. You had Michigan and Nebraska. Obviously, the two best teams, but they put Tennessee in the Orange Bowl against Nebraska. And I think Michigan played in the Rose Bowl against, uh, I can't remember who they played, but we both ended up winning the games. And, uh, dude, I have a ghost in my house, by the way. A little tangent here, a little ADD moment, but my light keeps going on and off in my living room, and it's freaking me out. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, Rose Bowl, Washington State. Yeah. And,. Michigan trounces Washington State. We trounce Tennessee like 42-17 or something like that. And everyone at the end of the season is like, okay, you going to let Nebraska and Michigan play? Like, you going to let the two best teams in the country play each other for a national championship? No, we're, we're going to give them both fucking championship rings. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> ah, whatever. All right, man, who do you got for number three? I'm, I'm excited about my top three games. I want to get into those before we get off on our top two games. Yeah, so number three, um, I think you can easily argue is one of the top two, top three uh, Rose Bowl games of all time. Is that a whipped cream bottle you're drinking out of there? No, it's a Budweiser. Oh, it looks like a whipped cream bottle for Shameless a plug. Um, it's arguably one of the top three uh, Rose Bowl games of all time. That's Penn State versus USC back in 2017. Um, if my memory is correct penn state was the big 10 champion that year uh let me look you want to fact check me real quick yeah i'll fact check you go in i believe this is the year that they were because i think that we argue about this before with urban meyer uh in ohio state but um penn state comes yes. down to the rose bowl not to interrupt you but yes yeah, they, so were, uh, they were they the, were the big 10 champion yep and, but they had three losses so ohio state got Two. the playoff bid that year uh, okay, yeah, Penn State had two coming into yep. this game, and they got the third. But Ohio State got the bid to the uh, college football playoff that year, I believe, unless that was the year Georgia got in. Uh, let me look up I the think, playoff. I, th I think Ohio State got in that year. This is a huge tangent. I didn't want to go on, but we ended up going on this. I think because I think we argued this before that conference championships should matter more, and this is the example I gave. Because Ohio I State. Think, yeah, see? So Ohio State got the bid, even though they lost the the uh, conference championship to Penn State, which gave Penn State uh, the bid to the Rose Bowl at eleven and two, and USC uh, the bid to the Rose Bowl at nine and three that year. Um, but yeah, this is arguably like one of the top three Rose Bowl games of all time. Uh, one for just how high scoring it it was, and also just the amount of talent that was on both sides here. Um, I know you can go on to, to Sports Center's Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that, or ESPN's Twitter and Facebook, and you can see highlights of Saquon Barkley they posted within the last month of, of this game alone. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's hard. It's I mean, when you watch his highlights, it's amazing to find out that they ended up losing this game. 
he had 25 carries for 194 yards and two touchdowns, just right underneath 200 yards. Uh, and then on the quarterback side, USC had Sam Darnold, who was one of the top uh, prospects at this time, ended up going and playing his uh, junior year or uh, sophomore year after this because he's a red shirt. Um, 453 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, just lit it up through the sky. Um, USC definitely could have taken a, a harder and, and faster lead in the beginning, but they just were not moving. Uh, excuse me, with a with with any type of uh, consistency or. Uh, you all right? Yeah, I just got the hiccups. <laughs> but they just weren't they weren't finishing plays and finishing drives, and so they they just were not looking good. Because uh, Penn State's passing game was pretty bad, but. The run game for Penn State was absolutely amazing. And then the way that this game ended was just spectacular off of a uh, 46-yard field goal to end it at, in the final seconds. Yeah. Well, I don't know I if remember, you got to watch this game. No, I did. Um, I remember watching this game. I like to watch the Rose Bowl um, every year because I think the Big Ten and Pac-12, even before we started this podcast, has always been a favorite ri- rivalry of mine. Um and it's a good one. I remember watching this game, and I and I remember seeing Penn State was um, definitely touted as one of the best teams in the country, and they had the early loss in the season, and then they went on to beat Ohio State in the college football playoff, and there was a lot of people sitting there saying Penn State should still be in. Penn State should still be in. They're the Big Ten champs. They're a better team than Ohio State, and I think they proved it. Um going up against a tough USC team with a NFL caliber quarterback and Sam Darnold. And uh, I remember watching the third quarter of this football game when Penn State won 28 to eight in the third quarter. Yeah. And I, I remember going into the fourth quarter saying it's over. Penn State's just going to try. I, I felt and the And then same USC, way. Yeah, I was like, USC came out of nowhere to put up 17 unanswered in the fourth quarter. And uh, that was just the, the magic of Sam Darnold though. Like if you yeah. didn't really like, if you didn't get to enjoy his like regular season games and you got to watch this one only, you'd be like, holy cow, man. Because this, this kid alone saved so many games and, and has so much uh, just so much ambition and drive with them to, to win that you, you could like I, – I, I remember thinking this, and I still think this to, day, to this day. Um, during this season, though, like I, could, I remember just watching him in the pocket – and then like people would come at him and he'd be able to go around and stuff like that. And I remember just thinking like, I don't, I, I'm like, I'm not worried about where he's paying the ball whatsoever because mm-hmm. I know as soon as he throws that ball, it's going to go to receiver's hand pretty much, or it's going to go in the direction of one to where it's not going to be like an unsafe play or whatever. And then the following season, obviously he had a really bad turnover margin and was pretty bad, but just watching him this year though, like especially this game, like near the end, like he was just hitting targets left and right. And it was just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you can go back to Matt Liner and, and, and have that kind of philosophy or like the USC QBs overall. But I just, I just remember watching Sam Donald and being like, this is probably one of the only QBs I've ever like witnessed that I have no fear of where he's going to put the ball. Cause like yep. as soon as it's up, it's going somewhere. And that, I, that was just amazing. And then obviously uh, Saquon Barkley was massive at this time, uh, especially with the run they were having in the big 10, uh, how they won. And so it was just it was a, a perfect game to be scheduled for the Rose Bowl. Even though Penn State should have been in the college football playoff, it 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 didn't disappoint the game that they got and the game that came out about it. No, it definitely was a good game. Um good choice, man. Good choice. So I'm gonna back that up with my number three choice. And that's when we played Miami in nineteen ninety five. It was a ninety four season, but we played him in ninety five in uh in the Orange Bowl. And this was the culmination of Tom Osborne all these years trying to get a national championship, always having a good season, get 9, 10, 11 wins a season. Um, could not win the big game. And um, we went into 1990 to 94 season, and we literally – just destroyed everybody we had. We, we were 13-0. We were the big Big 12 champions, and we got Miami. 
Now, the thing about Miami is there's just a couple names on this roster that I can throw out there is Warren Sapp, Pat Riley, Christy Jones, Larry Jones. The Pat Riley that coaches the Heat? No, different Pat Riley. Larry Jones, James Stewart, C.J. Richardson, A.C. Tellison, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Johnson. Was on this 94 Miami team. So this 94 Miami team was one of the best teams to play football. And... uh, Nebraska, <laughs> you, you need help? Come on, come on. Dude, I gotta got use it. a Gerber to open it. I don't got, I don't got a regular bottle opener. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, so just out of this roster, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They had seven people go to the NFL and one go to the WWE Hall of Fame. So and be, be the highest paid actor of all time. Highest paid actor of all time. Yeah. So well, I don't know of all time, but he's currently the highest paid actor. My bad. Yeah. Um, and Nebraska went up against it. We, you know, we had Tommy Frazier, we had, uh, Brooke Berenger on that roster. We had, uh, do we have him on green? No. Was it Thunder Collins? It was Thunder Collins. Um, we, no, no, it wasn't Thunder Collins. Thunder Collins was 2001. That's my next game. But, uh, and we beat him 24, 17. And one of the most iconic photos that come out of this game was, all of Miami's offensive line was on knees, drinking water. It was in the fourth quarter. Um, they were driving down the field trying to tie this football game, and they're all on their knees during a timeout taking a drink of water. Nebraska's entire defense has their helmets on, and they're literally just standing there not even sweating. And it just kind of went to show you that the strength and conditioning program, the University of Nebraska definitely uh, it was set. A- yeah, we set the standard for strength and conditioning programs in college, yeah. in, in college football. And it was no, this no, like, game like, yeah, that like no, out. no bullshit. Like the the modern day strength and conditioning that we see is is pretty much like rooted back to Nebraska during the the late nineties. Yes. So uh, the, because they were like one of the only teams that was actually working on strength. It mm-hmm. wasn't just working on being fast. Yeah. So I think uh, I'll post this picture on our Facebook here in a little bit. Um, but it's one of the most iconic photos. If you're a Nebraska fan, you have a poster of it in your garage. Um, th- that all of Miami is just on knees because they're they're the, touted as these great football team, and uh, Nebraska is just you know a bunch of ragtag misfits from the Midwest, and you know we're just running up and down the field on them, and we're not even running out of breath. So, is this during the black shirt years or when's that? Yeah, this is the black shirts. This is oh, is it? Yeah, th- these the '94 and '95 teams. Um, we were the black shirts. That's when the black shirts became the black shirts, and we won football so you, games you, with our defense. Do you think the defense last year? Because wasn't the defense last year allowed to wear the black shirts? So Nebraska's worn the the black shirts every year. To a lot of dismay of Nebraska true bloods like myself that are just diehard Husker fans, that I think they should take like if I was Scott Frost. First of all, those alternate uniforms they had last year, dog shit. I like the look of them. I would love to have a, a jersey of my own that has the black shirt logo on it, but we shouldn't have worn it, especially the game we wore it where we gave up 600 yards of total offense. But that's neither so here nor the there. Side, yeah, side tangent here. So do you do you think that, that de- those defenses those years would absolutely demolish any defense that has worn that black shirt since? No, absolutely. Uh, the the 95 team, and we'll get into that here in, in a couple in a couple minutes, but uh, – the 95 team, the 95 black shirts where the Huskers won a game by an average of 32 points a game. And our turnover margin, I think, was like plus like 18 that year or some ridiculous stat like that. I think the black shirts that wore it in 94, 95, 96, 97 would destroy any defense that's ever been put together, honestly, in college football. Because the 95 Huskers, I will stand by this. If you want to do another list next week, Cool. I'm already telling you my number one team is the 95 Huskers. Don't at me. Fight me if you want. I have stats to back it up. The 95 Huskers are the best team to ever step on the football field. Boom. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to get your opinion because I know, like, uh, so for USC, the 55 jersey is, like, one of the most, uh, like, historic jerseys that they have. And mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't. To to wear it, you have to earn it pretty much. So, um, yeah. 
uh, like like a lot of times they'll they'll try to use it. Uh, like a lot of fans will say, well, because last year, for instance, the number one uh, player in the country was a linebacker out of Southern California named Justin Flo, and so what pretty much fans were trying to speculate is you let him, you give him the chance to wear this fifty five jersey because he was a linebacker too. Uh, to kind of entice him and bring him in and you know, obviously he ended up going to Oregon but it's just one of the most uh like iconic jerseys that they that they have and so I guess in my mind I felt like you know if if a defense especially in Nebraska is going to be wearing the black shirts that they would have especially since the 90s weren't that far away for these players so they should, most of them should still be alive it's not like they're long gone but that they should come out there and be like, you know, and like kind of like crown them the jerseys or at least like give them the jerseys. Like, hey, like you guys have earned this. Like, here you go. Instead of just kind of having it like, oh, yeah, here you go. You're you're the uh, you're the black shirts now. Yeah. So what I will say and what, what I is definitely uh, kind of made me feel better a little bit with uh, the black shirts being handed out over seasons past is. The players that wear it on our defense have definitely not lost. It's not lost on them what that black shirt means because anytime they're handed out, they'll get on Twitter, they'll get on Instagram or Facebook, and they'll say, this is a great honor to wear this. This is, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of the history that is the black shirts, and I, I don't want to do wrong by it. And then they get burnt on a fucking 80-yard touchdown against <laughs> Northwestern. But that's <laughs> neither here nor there, man. All right, brother. What do you got for number two, man? Let's get into these. Top I got. Games. I got another very iconic game for uh, USC in modern times, and uh, I think any Notre Dame fan knows about this and wants the rematch and the call to be made. But uh, I got the Bush push, USC versus Notre Dame in 2005, with Ooh. Charlie Weiss getting ready to Good upset game. an undefeated USC team on its way. To another national championship in the Rose Bowl hey, against. Uh, odd Texas fact about this game: This is when Notre Dame debuted those green jerseys. I remember watching this game because I wanted—I literally just wanted to watch the jerseys. But it ended but, up being I mean, a classic I, football game. It did. Uh, a lot. I mean, I during this time I was playing Madden. I was following Sports Center heavily, and uh, Charlie Weiss had come out of—I uh, believe he came from New England. I believe he was under Belichick. I want to fact check me here. I think he came out of the NFL though. Who? Charlie Weiss, the uh, uh, the head coach for Notre Dame. Let me see. I believe he came out from underneath Belichick. That's why he was such a big hire. No, uh, let me see. So he was an offensive coordinator. NFL League for the New York Jets, New England Patriots, and Kansas City Chiefs. Let's see. Yeah, he came out underneath the uh, the Patriots in Super Bowl victories of 36, 38, and 39. And then in 2004, he took over for Tyrone Willingham. And then yeah, so Notre Dame's first choice that year actually was Urban Meyer. He accepted the coaching position at University of Florida. And so then Notre Dame was like, all right, Charlie, we'll give you a six-year contract for $2 million a year. So side note here, uh, Urban Meyer's dream job is pretty much Notre Dame because I believe that he came up underneath Lou Holtz uh, yeah. back in the day, and he's from uh, Indiana or right around it, I believe. No, that's his. But school. anyways, he, that's where he wants to go. But yeah. no, he's going to USC. Mark my words. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Charlie Weiss comes in, and he's this big name, big hire, good old rumbling, tumbling, Michelin man Weiss. Uh, coming into to Notre Dame and uh, trying to turn it around, and uh, like I said, you've got so much firepower on this on both sides. Just like you know, any game back in the day, especially a USC game, they're on this historic run at the time. And uh, uh, one second, let me go back. And, and uh, USC is marching down the field and. Uh, the the guy that he actually I can't man I wish I could remember this off the top of my head, but pretty much the drive the pass play that got them into the red zone for this play pretty much, uh, I think it was Dwayne Jarrett yeah it was Dwayne Jarrett got poked in the eye or something or grass got in his eye or something like that the play before, 
and uh, he was trying to come off the field, but they were under so much, uh, such a high, huge time crunch. They just hiked the ball, and uh, he ended up making a, a, a massive play to get them in the red zone. And uh, a lot of people that look back at this game, especially if you're the newer generation or you haven't been following college football that long, the reason why this is such a two reasons why this is such a massive game, or three reasons, I guess. One, it's a huge rivalry with Notre Dame and USC. Two, Notre Dame was about to upset the number one team in the nation who was on their way to do a three-peat. And number three, what Bush did with pushing Liner in was actually legal back then. And I think the following year is when they finally actually made it a rule that you were able to assist the QB to get into the end zone. So a lot of Notre Dame fans uh, who who were around this, during this time or, or know about this time will, will always argue that, that it should have never been a, a touchdown just for the fact that it should have been a, a flag and that should have been the end of the game because um, time had run out before the play and Notre Dame was celebrating. And then I think that they said there was a, a timeout or so I can't, God, Lee is going to piss me off. I can't remember exactly the, the play by play on this, but pretty much they brought everyone back and then USC comes back and Reggie Bush pushes Matt Liner in the end zone to keep their run going on their way to their third national championship in a row, which they lost to Texas and Vince Young. But this was just such a, a massive game and the crowd and the the networks that came in just to watch this and just the fans of the time that watched this because so much firepower on both sides and just what was on the line was something amazing. And it didn't disappoint. So Yeah, it was definitely a good game, like I said. I mean, I was 15 years old, I think. Hold on. Yeah, I was 15 when this game was played. I tuned in to see the, the Notre Dame uniforms because they were going away from the Navy You're only tops. four years older than me? Yeah, man. I'm about to turn 30. Thanks for bringing that up. Thanks, dickhead. Anyway. Um, <laughs> my bad. I thought you were older. <laughs> I tuned in to watch the uniforms, and I remember I watched this at my grandpa's house, uh, my grandpa on my mom's side. And... Uh, I remember we watched the game and afterwards, you know, we were talking about it and he's like, that's one of the best football games I've ever seen. And yeah, I remember Matt Liner getting pushed over the, over the pile. And there was a big discussion about it. I think they talked about it for like 10 minutes and then they called it a touchdown. So definitely a good game. Good choice. I'm, I'm interested to hear your number one choice, but, um, so let's, yeah, like, let's, like I said, it, any of these, these top four games I, that I have could could switch for number one uh and then i i mainly number one i have a massive reason for but go ahead keep going all right let's go to your number two my number two game is game of the century nebraska versus oklahoma 2001 one two matchup lincoln nebraska eric crouch heisman trophy run unfortunately that year it kind of goes along with your number two pick we didn't even mean to do this but uh you know we we were best team in the country all year and then ended up losing a national championship game but the biggest reason this this game really jumped out at me and i remember seeing this game is i actually watched it the other day at at work i had it playing in the background at the office um and i remember i kept looking over at it and it was a big defensive battle and, and kind of going back to what we not just to not about. to interrupt you but nebraska was number three during the oh one game okay but oklahoma was oklahoma number one they were number two. Okay. Yeah, and Miami, so I don't know if, Miami if Nebraska was number just, one, right? Uh, I'd have to look at the rankings. No, Miami, okay. I, I You don't even have to look at it. I know Miami was number one. But, okay, uh, no, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. It was Oklahoma was number one, Nebraska was number two. I think they just ended up finishing number two and number three. Yeah, I remember that game being well, a number one, number two matchup. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. And, I'm going to uh, go ahead and go back into my hole. <laughs> but... I just remember it being such a defensive battle, but the, the play that sticks out to everybody's mind is the flash 21 reverse um, where it was, it was a reverse. It was, it was a double reverse. And then Eric Crouch streaked it down the sideline pass to him. Eric Crouch catches it, runs it in for a touchdown. We ended up winning 24, 17. And uh, I'm looking at a different game then. It was, it was a hell of a football game. It was the game of the century. Everyone talked about that game that whole week. And then the game was played, and it definitely didn't. It didn't disappoint. It lived up to the hype. It was still to this day, at my thirty years alive, the best football game I've ever watched in my life. I was eleven years old. Are you sure it was two thousand one? 
Yes. Um, it was by far the best football game I've ever watched. I was 11 years old when this game was played. Yeah, because we played Miami in the 2002 National Championship game. This was a 2001 football game. Because it was the year Eric Crouch won the Heisman. I don't know. I, apparently Google's all messed up. But go, go ahead, keep going. But yeah, it was... Uh, It was one of those games where I I was uh, definitely in awe and back forty one reverse pass. Yeah, flash twenty one. But um, oh, it's got his black forty one on this one. No, nah, it was it was that's flash. Wikipedia though, so you never know. You never nah, know. I I could get on Wikipedia and say it was a black ninety nine reverse, and then you look like an idiot on a podcast, not me. But uh, yeah. Well, so this is fun. this is this, saying the score was twenty to ten. That's why. I, that's why I'm confused. Uh, let me look more into it. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, because hold on. Yeah, it was that's, 20, that's two yeah, sides that have 10. said it. Twenty four seventeen okay. was a Miami game. This one was twenty to ten. Okay. Oklahoma is ranked number one. Nebraska is number two. Let me see. And then Mike Stunts was the one he threw the ball to Eric Crouch for a sixty three yard touchdown. And then Josh Brown sealed it. We were up ten to thirteen at the time when that play happened in the fourth quarter. That kind of like so you you actually watched this game live? Yeah, I watched this game live. I was actually at my buddy's house. Um, I say my buddy; it was my dad's buddy, but like our, all of our families were together. Um, and it was small town Nebraska. It was the only thing going on that that year, really. And uh, it was it was a hell of a football game. So, it was I, – I watched this game live. I remember seeing the uh, Flash 21 reverse, and uh, when Mike Stunts let that ball go and Eric Crouch caught it, a lot of people are saying that was – that was a play that won Eric Crouch the Heisman. And Eric Crouch, to this day, my favorite college quarterback of all time, even over Tim Tebow. So <laughs> – all right, man. Let's get into it. Drum roll it up and then go into your number one pick, your All number right. one USC football game. Ladies and gentlemen, coming at you live from the mics, we've got the Any Given Saturday CFB podcast with their number one game for their respective teams, the USC Trojans. The number one game, as rated by Brennan Mee, is USC versus Oklahoma in the 2005 Orange Bowl. Now, this was a massive blowout, massive, but to me, it was an instrumental game and illustrated how amazing this 2004 USC team was Damn. on every aspect. We have a 55-19 to 19 blowout, and the reason why I talk about the BCS system during this time is because I believe that Oklahoma actually lost its conference championship and still got in. Nice. <laughs> and then got absolutely destroyed by a USC team that was roaring and roaring down the line. Um, could not be stopped and gave people huge momentum going into that 2005 season. So. No, I mean, USC in 2004, they were dominant. That was the beginning of the dynasty, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, 03, they won a, a national championship. That was... That was the. I, I would say that was the start of the dynasty because anyone can win a national championship. But this was the year that people knew Matt Leinart was for real. Um, and, I mean, they had the close scare in that year of... Correct me if I'm wrong. Was against Stanford, where they only won by a field goal. Um, and then Oregon State, the they went on the road to Oregon State. No, they, they would have been at home for Oregon State that year because 05 was 05 Oregon State was when they were there. So 04 they would have been at home. All right, hold on, check that really quick because I'm pretty sure they went on the road to Oregon State and they only won by a touchdown. This was the year I was really watching college football, man, and I was really watching USC because, like I said, I liked Matt Leinart and I liked uh, I liked Reggie Bush. They also they were on the road to UCLA and only 
they only beat them by a close margin, but they went in a national championship game. And I remember I had to go to bed early cause I had to go to school cause I was a fucking loser. And, uh, okay. They, no, yeah, you're, you're right. Cause this is all right. So this is the set the, the Oregon state games, the fog bowl game. Yeah. It's a game you were at. You dumbass. Like you were <laughs> yeah. there. Anyway, yeah. So, okay. You're right. We literally just talked about, I, I, I knew something was clicking in my <laughs> head, but, um, and then All UCLA right. gave them a scare. Um, I think they only won by like five or six points. And then uh, they absolutely trounced Oklahoma. And I remember watching that game, and I was really happy, one, because Matt Leinart won the football game. I liked Matt Leinart as a quarterback. Um, and because, yeah, my freshman year, I wore 11 because 18 was taken. I, I wore 11 for Matt Leinart, by the way. Um and USC just absolutely trounced Oklahoma in a national championship game. And I remember sitting there and I was like, this is a team to be reckoned with over the next couple of years. So they, they yeah, were it was, it was wire just, to wire national champions that year. Yeah, I think the reason why this is my number one, uh, besides the reason that stated was, like I said, it, it, it showcased just how great this 2004 USC team was at every aspect of the game of football. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it showcased what Pete Carroll was truly making and capable of at USC. And then it also, it just, it had, it gave USC fans hope that they hadn't had since the uh, John McKay years and uh, maybe a couple years on John Robinson, but mainly the McKay years that we're back and we're here to kick some ass. And it, 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 it put, USC did a did a lot of things during these early years, because during during these times, uh, the SEC was the was the powerhouse. It was it was the king of them all. And so, if you got a team on the West, especially in California, where a lot of recruits, all these high rated recruits are coming out of winning, it takes that power away. And ESPN actually made its LA office out there during these years of Pete Carroll. And it all comes back to, to me, it comes back to this this year alone, the 04 year. Granted, yeah, the 03 year was amazing. They went to the Rose Bowl, beat Michigan for uh, the national championship. But this year changed so much in college football, and it, it, it shifted the power from the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, to the Pac-10 at the time to show show them, like, hey, like these West Coast kids can can come out here and beat you where you want them to beat you. Because during these years, too, he he wasn't like uh, what Nick Saban does and and, and these rest of these high-powered coaches where they, they schedule cupcake games or they schedule new, neutral site games with with uh, with schools. He was going into to the top-rated schools and kicking their ass. Uh, I think it was – it might have been this – it might have been 04 or 03 or, or – uh, yeah, it must – around that time, but – they went into Auburn, and I don't think they let Auburn get past the 50-yard line into their own territory the whole game. No, they did not. I and remember th- that there was a lot of pictures and stuff that came out later on in the newspapers because, you know, social media wasn't really a big thing back then. Um, of They showed the, the 50 to the goal line for Oklahoma, and they said that Bob Stoops didn't know what that place was against USC. I was talking about Auburn, but – um, no, it was the same thing against Oklahoma. I mean, they they were holding them. They were holding them to absolutely no offense, and that USC team absolutely dominated that football game. They dominated that season. They were ranked number one coming into the season, and they walked away with with the Sears Trophy. So, good pick on your number one. I don't yep. think me and you did we talk about these lists before, other than sending each other a picture after they were finalized. No, we didn't. Okay, cool, because I'm about to get into my number one game, Nebraska versus Florida, 1996, where Nebraska dominated Florida. Dominated Florida. Like, obliterated them. It was bad. It was 62-24 was the final score. And it was a national championship game, and I remember going into this football game. I was I was five years old. This is number one on my list because, one, it's the greatest football team in history, in college football history, and, two – I watched this game as a young buck. Like, I was 
five years old when this game was played. And at five years old, I remember sitting in front of my TV and watching every single snap of this football game. And after the football game, after we won, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, well, Nebraska is just the best team to ever play the game. Like I, Nebraska is a good football team. And I became a Husker fan. And I think you can talk to anybody that knows me. You know me. You can talk to my wife. I'm not just a fan. I'm a fanatic. I'm obsessed with Husker football. Husker's got to be a part of every part of my life. It's got to be displayed. You know, it was in my howitzer when I was a chief. It's in my office now that, you know, I'm a smoke. It's on my truck. It was on my car. It was on my Jeep. It was on everything. So this is the reason that I became such a big Husker fan because going into this football game, everyone said that, Florida was gonna is is gonna beat Nebraska. They had Steve Spurrier as a coach. Um, there they had a they had a good quarterback going into the year. I'm actually looking him up right now. I usually have his name right on the tip of my tongue. Um, and they were a good football team. You know they went eight zero in the SEC. They won the SEC championship game thirty four to three. And they go up against Nebraska in Sun Devil Stadium, and. Uh, I'm trying to trying to find their offense. Uh, their I think the QB was Danny was... Werfel. Danny Werfel. Yeah. Danny Werfel was on the Heisman list, um, and they had a bunch of NFL players on their roster, and they go up against Nebraska, and and then in the game, Nebraska at the end of the first quarter it was down 10 to six. And then the second quarter we, we scored 29 unanswered points. And then from then on, it was just, it was 35 to 10 at half. They came out in the second half and it was, it was over. And we ended up winning 62, 24. And, uh, a big play from this was Tommy Frazier ran an option play to the right, decided to keep the play and ended up breaking. People say, that he broke tackles on Florida's sideline because he broke like 14 tackles going to this. It's <laughs> you look, you, you look at any, you know, ESPN top 10 plays of college football history. Tommy Frazier's on there with that, that big 75 yard run. And, uh, right now. So the official is, is that he broke no less than seven tackles on the play. That is the official. <laughs> no one knows how many tackles he broke. I say he broke like 20, and there was he broke Steve Spurrier. Steve Spurrier was trying to co- tackle the dude, and <laughs> there he was. And uh, one of the common jokes on ESPN that year, I remember hearing this, and I remember watching Sports Center as a kid, and I see it that um, they'd be doing a highlight of like a basketball game, and they'd be like, "Hey, Gators, Nebraska just scored again." It was it was a common joke all all year, and they say this as uh, they're the greatest team to have ever played the game. Um. And ESPN poll had them at number three, only behind the 71 Huskers and then your 72 Trojans. Um, but show me the stats of those two football teams. I'm a 71 fan. I like the 71 Huskers. I thought they were good. But show me stats, and I'll show you why the 95 Huskers are the best team to ever play the game. They, they won well, every game by an average of 32 points. Nebraska had 524 rushing yards in this game. Not very many passing yards. But No, Tommy Frazier didn't throw the football. So – the reason was, and there, there was a big controversy going into this season, um, and I'll kind of get into a little bit of back history of why I wore 18 in every single sport I ever played. Um, in the previous season, in Fraser's junior year, he blew out his knee, and he had knee reconstructive surgery. And uh, Brooke Berenger took over the reins in 94 and went 8-0 as a starter, and Tommy Fraser came back for the national championship game. They split time in the Orange Bowl. Brooke didn't play that well, and Tommy Frazier ended up winning us the national championship. And then going into Frazier's senior year in 95, Frazier took the team, and they were the greatest team to ever play the game. And uh, so Brooke Berenger, you know, he came in in garbage time. He actually took the knees. He actually got a touchdown in the game. He went over the top and, and got a touchdown. But um, that was a big controversy because Tommy Frazier was an option quarterback. He, all he did was he ran the ball or he pitched the ball. That's all he did. Brooke Berenger was a pocket QB. He could throw the football. And he was actually on his way to the NFL draft when uh, he unfortunately died in a in a plane accident. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brooke Berenger. Brooke Berenger oh. passed away in 1996, uh, right before the NFL draft. And 
there was actually NFL teams that wanted to draft him above Tommy Frazier because he was more of a NFL-style quarterback. But that's why I wear 18 and everything I do is that was Brooke Berenger's number, and I try and honor him in any way I can. But Did you just fart? No, that was the chair. <laughs> It's my it, it's my chair, man. I, I was like, why are you giggling at me? I'm I'm sharing a very sentimental part of my life here, you fucking dill hole. But yeah, no, that was a chair, see? There you go. Um but yeah, so that's my number one team. That's my number one game. Um that's why I still say Nebraska is the number one team to ever play the football game is that ninety five Huskers team. Sixty two to twenty four over the SEC dominant Florida Gators that year. So, no questions. Uh, don't add us. You let us know what you thought about our lists, and uh, we will politely yeah, make sure, make call sure you to, idiots. Yeah, to, to, to write us, tweet us, email us, do anything to what you if you uh, if you're an outside fan of what, of the teams of what you thought were some of the best games you got to watch or that you got to experience and stuff like that. Um, like I said, my uh, my number five was a personal one, and then the rest of them were just kind of how I felt. But like any list, you can go out there and have your own opinion. Uh, uh, you want to get into some news, or you just want to? Nah, man. I think I think we should call it. Let's uh, let's save the news till next week. Let's let's leave the hangers on a little. Or the the hangers. The listeners on the cliffhanger here. Get them uh, coming back next week. Hey, we appreciate you guys coming around. If you guys have any thoughts or comments or want to tell us that our picks are idiotic, you let us know. Um, We'll get into it. Send us a line, and uh, we appreciate you all coming out. We love you guys. And uh, as always, go Big Red. And fight on.